Thank you for joining us on the Crossroads Church Podcast. We are so excited to have you as part of our family. We're a community where people are welcomed home, built up, and sent out. Our prayer is for you to find meaningful relationship and belonging with both God and His people. We'd love to connect with you. Download the Crossroads Church app, follow us on Facebook or Instagram, or simply send us an email at info at mycrossroads.co. We pray that as you hear this message, you encounter Jesus and all that He has in store for you. Good morning, Crossroads family. Hope you are doing very, very well and hope that whether you're watching uh, around the area or around the country or even around the world, that you are, are going to be blessed by today's message. And I want to give a, a special hi to, to those who are watching for the very first time. And, and I know that probably maybe some circumstances have led you to this, but we don't believe it's an accident that you're, uh, that you're part of us to, uh, today. So hope you are blessed, blessed, blessed. If you're wondering why I am uh, giving this message, why I'm preaching from, the, from my house instead of from the, the church, uh, well, as some of you know that Sylvia and I came back from a cruise a few days ago. And so uh, that was, uh, we were actually supposed to go on this cruise a couple of years ago, but weren't able to. So they said if we didn't do it by March, we'd either use it or lose it. So we thought we would use it by that time. Little did we know all the things that were going to take place and all the things that were going to come down the pike in the world while we were gone. Uh, and I've come back a little under the weather, uh, which means I am quarantined. Uh, so you're going to be hearing from me uh, from my house for the next few weeks, probably instead of from the uh, instead of from the the church. So uh, I hope that works. Thank God for our technology. Thank God that we're able to do that at this time, uh, at this part of our our life and season of our, our our church. Thank God for this. And I love the fact that even though we can't be together physically, we can be together spiritually. We can be together online, and we can connect. So I'm really really thankful for for that. You know when we were. Um, you know, coming back, we really believed that we were coming back to March Madness, but we thought that was just uh, talking about NCAA college basketball. Little did we know that March Madness included the, the world kind of going crazy and the world kind of going mad because we really uh, are living in an uncertain time right now. I wasn't going to preach this message. I had a different message lined up, but it really felt God say that, uh, that he wanted me to preach a message called uh, A Certain God for uncertain times, because we are living in uncertain season right now. We have the coronavirus that is uh, scaring a lot of us and making a lot of people uh, sick. It's also something that uh, we, you see the uh, the stock market that is extremely volatile. There's some things that are not uh, available in the stores as you, as you go in there, and that's kind of weird and kind of kind of freaky. And one that I don't understand that is why is it that we we can't find toilet paper? I mean, I can understand some of the other things, but why the rush on toilet paper? This, you know, from what I understand, this is just a, you know, something that takes place up here, not other places. And if this was dysentery, I could see, but I don't get it. But the uh, the thing is, you know, that we needed to, to really realize that a lot of things are just going weird, that uh, the school's canceled, that uh, the businesses are canceled, that uh, that the jobs, uh, you know, are canceled and things. And it's just a really, really weird season. So I just want to hopefully give you a lot of encouragement and a and, and even a peace and some comfort at this uh, at this time. And and I also want to say something. I'm not minimizing 
what is taking place in our country or around the world because it's a serious thing. It's a very serious thing. But in perspective to some of the things that our, uh, our, our forefathers and mothers have gone through or people around the world go through, this is not as, as big of a deal as, uh, as some of the things that they've gone through. Uh, and I, I say that for instance. My parents, uh, when they were growing up, they were living under the shadow of this madman named Adolf Hitler who was trying to take over the world. And you think about it, for the first few years, uh, he never lost a battle. And it really, really, really looked like the world was going to be taken over by a crazy man and by the, the, the Nazis. And some of the things that they had to go through, that the people had to go through in those days, if you were living in London in those, uh, those days, starting on September the, the 7th, 1940, 56 out of 57 days, you were, your city was bombed. And you had to live, you had to sleep in, in the air raid shelters. And, and can you imagine this? Can you imagine just hearing the explosions going on over top, not knowing if that was your house, your friends, anything like that, and just hearing, hearing that and being terrified. And then, then walking out to, to who knows what, to, to what kind of damage. And, and I love the fact that they, they, they stayed calm and carried on is what, the, what Churchill said that they, they did at that, uh, at that time. And that's not even talking, you know, I mean, you think about it. Our, uh, our ancestors, uh, my parents, grandparents, and things like that, they were called to, uh, to go to war. We're called just kind of stay at our house and stay on our, uh, our couch, which is, a, which is a different thing. And I'm not even talking about the you know, genocides that people have had to face or the Holocaust or, uh, or, or, or famines or, uh, you know, or pestilence or, or plagues or anything like that. So, Again, not minimizing them in any way what's taking place, but, uh, but it could be worse, and we need, to, we need to remember that. So what do we think? I mean, what is, what's going on right now? First thing is that we need to remember is none of this is taking God by surprise. I want to say that again. None of this is taking God by surprise. I want to take us back about 1,600 years B.C., Okay, and there was a, a famine that was taking place in the, in the world. I mean, this was something that was absolutely having a profound effect on the whole world. Sound familiar? Uh, but but uh, a famine is something that most of us can't understand. If you were born in the United States, you've never experienced a famine. A famine isn't when you can't find bread or, or some, uh, some meat in the store for a few days. A famine is when there is no food anywhere and people are starving to death all around you. That's a famine. But I want to take us back uh, eight years from that time that there was a, a famine. And what you had is God told Pharaoh what was going to take place through, through some dreams. He told him exactly what was going to happen and when it was going to happen. That was eight years prior to the famine ever taking place. And back up 13 years from, from that, and what you have is you have uh, Joseph's uh, brothers selling Joseph into slavery. And, and we know that God did that in order to put Joseph exactly where he was supposed to be in Egypt so he could interpret Pharaoh's dreams, so he could tell him what it meant, so the, the, the nation and the world could be prepared for what was going to take place there. In other words, a, a couple of decades before there was ever the problem, God already had the answer. God knew what was going to have the, the, what the, the situation was. He was never freaking out. He knew as he was totally in, uh, in, in control there. And the same thing here, too, is, is God knew this was coming down the pike. This isn't surprising God in any way, shape, or form. And I really believe that God has an answer as, as well as God's people 
uh, pray to pray to him and look to, to him. I think it's kind of neat that you know a few a few months ago that we were going to do a different series coming up in the, those la- the last few weeks, uh, but we really felt like God was telling us to do something on prayer. How perfect is that? God knew what was coming down. God knew that we needed to be uh, people of prayer and people of action at this time, and God had us uh, preparing as 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 doing a whole. Uh, messages on prayer and a study and a focus on prayer, knowing I believe that this was going to come down the uh, the pike and had crossroads ready for uh, for that. A second point is that God is still in control. You know, Robert Louis Stevenson tells a story about a, a ship that is being tossed uh, by the by a, a raging sea, and all the people are are in the the bottom of the ship and they're they're terrified, they're scared, and and, and suddenly one man runs up to the pilot house. And he looks and he sees the pilot and he sees that the pilot is, is tied to the, to the, uh, the ship's wheel and, and, and moving slightly one way and the other. But he looked over at him and he smiled. Well, the man ran back down, uh, downstairs below, below deck and said, we don't have to be afraid. I've seen the pilot's face and he's not worried, so we don't have to be. And if we could look right now at our, uh, the captain of our life, the captain of our, our ship, what we would see is we would see him not worried. He's not worried at this time. He's still in control. Uh, he's not worried, so we don't have to worry. He's not panicked, so we don't have to be panicked. He's not afraid, so we don't have to be afraid. You know, one of my favorite uh, songs of all time, uh, contemporary Christian songs, is the song, God is in, in Control by, by Twyla Paris. And these are the words of the song. It says, it says this, This is no time for fear. This is a time for faith. And determination. Don't lose the vision here, carried away by the motion. Hold on to all that you hide in your heart. There is one thing that will, has always been true. It holds the world together. God is in control. We believe that his children will not be forsaken. God is in control. We will choose to remember and never be shaken. There is no power above or beside him, we know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. God is in control. And then it says, history marches on. There's a bottom line drawn across the ages. Culture may make its plan. Oh, but the line never changes. No matter how the deception may fly, there is one thing that has always been true. It will be true forever. God is in control. We believe that his children will not be forsaken. God is in control. We will choose to remember and never be shaken. There is no power above or beside him we know. Whoa, 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 God is in control. And then this verse, he has never let you down. Isn't that true? He has never let you down. Why start to worry now? Why start to worry now? He is still the Lord of all we see, and he is still the loving Father watching over you and me. God is in control. And the third thing is, is God is with us. I remember one of my earliest memories as a, as a human being was when I was truly a little, little kid. I was probably either, either three or four years old, and I remember having a, a terrible nightmare. Now, uh, my family, we lived on a, on a hill in Colorado that overlooked Boulder, Colorado, and it overlooked the, 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 uh, the Flatirons, it overlooked the, the start of the, the Rocky Mountains. And from there, you could see basically all of, uh, all of Boulder. But I had a dream that there was this humongous tiger. It had to be blocks long, and it was coming, winding its way to come and get me, to devour me. Well, I ran into my, my dad's uh, room, 
And I, I shook him and I said, Dad, will you sleep with me? I'm scared, I'm scared, please sleep with me. And I told him the dream that I had and, and Dad reluctantly, he got out of bed and this 50-some-year-old man got in the top bunk of, a, uh, of some bunk beds and there he, um, and there he, he slept well. And just knowing, knowing he was there took so much of the fear away. Just knowing my dad was there, I knew everything was going to be okay because there was no you know, three-block-long tiger that can mess with my dad. And little did I know, you know, at that age. But there is no tiger. There is no sin, no sickness, no disease, no infirmity, no problem, no anything that's bigger than our God. And God, uh, God is with us through the whole thing. The Bible says this. God says, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. I want you to hear that God promises two things. He will never leave us, ever, 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 ever leave us, and he will never forsake us. Now, the word for forsake is really powerful because uh, it's like, what's the difference between leave and forsake? Uh, imagine that you were in, uh, in quicksand and you were stuck in quicksand. If somebody was never going to leave you, they would just stay there and they'd hold your hand while you disappeared under the quicksand and, and, and died, right? But to forsake, not forsaking, means you don't leave the person in the same situation that you found them. In other words, you don't just say, I'm with you. You get them out of the problem. You get them out of the situation. God doesn't just look at us and say, I'm not, I'm not leaving you. He gets us out of the problem eventually. Not always, not right away, not in a moment's notice, but God gets us to the other side. We are going to make it to the other side because God makes that promise. Why? Because he's with us and God's going to make it to the other side. When Jesus is in your boat, you're going to make it to the other side. And immediately when I heard you know, things that were going on when I was on the ship, there's two verses that really came, uh, that, that really hit me. And I want you to hear that, that how much they deal with, uh, with God being with us. Here's the first one. God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, so, and then uh, Isaiah 41.10, a life verse of mine. Listen to this one about why we don't have to be afraid. So do not fear, here's the reason, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right, uh, right hand. Another One thing that I've never seen, I've never seen God's back. I've seen his face figuratively. I've seen his hand as he's pouring out blessing after blessing and provision in my life. I've never seen his back because he's never turned his back on me and he's never turned his back on you. You would never turn your back on your child ever, 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 especially when they're going through the hardest times. And God's not going to turn his back on, uh, on us. God is with us through every single moment of this, this trial. Another thing is God will use all this for his glory. I'm absolutely confident of, of that. Um, I don't believe that God brings calamity. Uh, the Bible says that Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I believe that's where pain, suffering, and, and hard and everything comes from. But I know that God uses calamity. He uses it to, to wake us up. He uses it to strengthen us. He uses it to, to bring pure perseverance in our life. He uses it to, uh, to, uh, you know, to, to, to test us as well. But let's especially talk about that the first one uh, about wake us up. I mean, something that we just have to be honest with is 
uh, I've been a pastor a while, and I know that God can use a calamity. God can use a struggle. God can use a sickness. God can use a problem. God can use an, a life issue. God can use something going on with a relationship to all of a sudden wake us up to what's really important in life. And sometimes we can just get fat and sassy, and sometimes we can just go on with life, and God's kind of on the back burner. But it is amazing how God can allow, use a calamity to, uh, to wake us up to what is really important in, in life. And I'll just be vulnerable with you. I'll be honest with you. Uh, there's times when, when I'm afraid. There's times when I'm scared. There's times when I've got that, that yucky feeling in my gut that uh, I pray more. I seek God harder. I seek God more. It's just, it, and one of my prayers of my life is that I seek God just as much when life is a bowl of cherries as I do when, when life is the, is the pits. But somehow it just gets our attention. The same thing is true with our nation, isn't it? The times when our nation has gone through difficult times, that's the times when we have gathered together and we have gone on our face before God and sought God and got serious about God in ways that we do not do when everything is hunky-dory. An example of this would be in 9-11. Uh, the, the, the two times in, the, in our nation's history, the two Sundays that had the greatest attendance in churches uh, around, the, around our country was in the two weeks after 9-11. It took that tragedy to wake us up and say, you know what, I need to be in church. The sad thing is a couple weeks later after we realized the world wasn't caving in, that so many people just went back to business as usual, forgetting God, God's still on the back burner. But, I, but God uses that in our, our nation. God uses that in, uh, in our, our, our lives. But here's the thing too. It's, it's when the times of, uh, of crisis, it's when the times of crisis happen that uh, we get a clearer picture of who God, uh, who God is. Listen to this verse. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. And that's a great verse, but when does this really become alive to us? When does a verse like this become alive? When do we understand that God is our deliverer? It's when we need deliverance. It's when we can't make, we need, desperately need deliverance. When do we find out that God is our, our shield and our fortress? It's when all hell is breaking loose and then the forces of darkness are coming against us. And we're not going to make it unless God comes to our aid and God rescues, uh, rescues us. You know, so many of us know the, uh, the names of God that the people have given God in the, in the Bible. And, and now we hold on to those names. But, but, but think about it. Almost every one of those names was given at a time of incredible crisis. That's when the person found out who God really was. That's when his identity became known in the midst of crisis, not when everything was going good. An example of that would be it was when, uh, when Abraham desperately, desperately needed to know that God was his provider. That, uh, that, that he said, God, you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. It was when, uh, when, when Hagar was desperate and ran out into a desert by herself, scared and alone and, and terrified, that God showed up. And she looked at God and said, I know that you are Elroy. You are the, you are the God who sees me. And that's when in the midst of her trouble, in the midst of her pain, that's when she understood that God was the God who, who sees then also there's, uh, there's Gideon. When did he understand that, that, that God was Jehovah Shalom? It was when he was scared to death and he truly thought he was gonna die and God said, peace, peace, Shalom. And he said, now I know God, now I know that you are Jehovah Shalom in my life. You know, you, you wanna know the first time the disciples ever worshiped Jesus? This is, this is pretty eye-opening. 
It wasn't when he healed the sick. It wasn't when he cleansed the leper. It wasn't when he made blind eyes see. It wasn't when he, he delivered people from demonic uh, you know, possession. It wasn't when he turned water into wine or fed 5,000 people with loaves, and, with loaves and fish. When he, when he did that, when they said, we worship you, is after he saved their rear end from drowning. It's when they were out in the middle of a storm and he came to them. And it's and when he calmed the sea, when he calmed the storm in their life, when they were encountering a storm that was too much for them, and then God showed up in their life, that's when their eyes opened up and said, God, you are God. And they worshiped him. They worshiped Jesus. Here's what it says. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in, in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of, of God. You know, uh, Bobby was telling me that the staff was reading some uh, some verses this week of just encouragement, um, and uh, several of the people, just like just like me, uh, get uh, you know get te- were teary eyed because of this. And he said, "What is it? Why is it that we know these verses? We've known these verses for years. Why is it now that it's becoming so emotional and so real to us?" And I believe it's because of the circumstances we're walking through. It's when we go through those tough times that God's promises become alive, that who God is becomes alive. So I pray in the midst of this that God becomes alive in a way that he never has for us. And something else is, uh, so what should we do? First is we draw close to God. We draw close to God. Don't waste this time. This hopefully is a wake-up call, no matter where we are, to say, you know what, God is the most important thing. Worshiping God is the most important. Drawing unto God is the most important. And to, to spend this time honoring and obeying and loving and reaching out to, uh, to, to God. Because here's thing that, something that I, I don't know if you, uh, you know, but many of the, the promises uh, of God's protection and provision has a caveat. And, and I mean that it doesn't say, look, I'm just going to protect you. Uh, I'm just going to take care of you. It says, if you do these things, then I will. Here's some examples. Psalm 91. The Lord says, I will rescue. Don't miss. Who? Who is he going to rescue? I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Jeremiah 17. Blessed are those, who's going to be blessed? Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their, their hope and, uh, and confidence. They will be like trees planted along the riverbank with roots that reach down into the, the water. Such trees are, are not bothered by the, by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves will stay green and they never stop producing fruit. And I want to say something too. This is not a time to shirk from, from giving to God. Uh, some people would say, you know what, I need to, I'm going to position myself better to withhold from God at this time financially. That's always a stupid, stupid thought. Never, ever, ever withhold from God. Never, ever think that we position ourselves better from doing things not God's way. God promises this. God says, look, if you do it my way, if you tithe, he said, I'm going to rebuke the devourer. He said, I'm going to pour out the uh, blessings. He said this. He said, honor the Lord from, the, from your wealth and from the first fruits of your crop. Then your barns will be filled with overflowing and your vats will brim over with, with new wine. 
He's saying, you do it my way, if you come under my protection and my, and my, uh, and my blessing, if you do it my way, that's what's going to happen. You are under my umbrella of protection. You, your finances are under my umbrella of, uh, of, of blessing as well. The last thing you want to do at this time is get out away from God's umbrella of protection and, and things. And God's saying, if you do it my way, you're going to be protected. Your finances are going to be protected. It may not be be. You know, made me struggle for a, a while, but it's going to work out because I have it. I've got it. It's under my control. If you do it your way, good luck because it's under your control. Another thing is to pray. Uh, I think really that this is one of the most, the greatest opportunities that we have to make a difference in the, the life of the, the world at this time, uh, during our lifetime, because we really can pray and we really can make a difference. The strongest thing we can ever do in our life is pray. We may not be able to do much right now, but we can pray, and praying is the most important thing we could ever do because this is bigger than us, and it's not bigger than God. So when we work, we work. When we pray, God works, and I'd like God to work at this, uh, at this time. And the Bible is full of times where people cry out to God on behalf of their nation or God on behalf of the, the, the world, and God hears their prayer, and God, and God changes the whole situation. You know, the history is, is full of that. And I was thinking about uh, one time on, on May the 10th in uh, 19, 1940. It was a horrific thing that, uh, that, that took place or came this close to taking place. And that's the uh, Nazi Germany had uh, over, uh, over a third of a million people uh, of the, uh, the uh, Allied armies uh, with mostly, uh, mostly Britain uh, that they were locked against the sea at a little place called Dunkirk, at a beach called Dunkirk. And they were, in, they were truly in dire straits. In fact, the, the Nazis uh, said, we are going to wipe them off the earth. We are going to annihilate them. And it absolutely could have happened. In fact, Winston Churchill was preparing a message to talk about how cataclysmic the, the event that, that, uh, that took place of, of losing a third, uh, third of a million men. Uh, but something happened. King George VI uh, asked, called for a day of prayer and fasting. And, and things happen. If you've ever seen pictures of that, it's an amazing thing. As, as cathedrals and churches were, were so packed that there was standing room only inside and there were, there were queues lined up there were, uh, for, for people to come in that couldn't, couldn't get in. There's maybe never been a time where more people tried to, to, tried to get into a church and they were, were lifting up uh, the, the problem, the situation at Dunkirk. Well, there's a beautiful thing that happened. If you've ever known history, for some unexplicable reason, uh, that Adolf Hitler decided not to press the attack against his uh, his generals' wills, uh, and so did not press the attack for three days. And during that time, also there was a, a storms brewing, so the Luftwaffe, their their air force, couldn't come in and strafe the people on the uh, on the beach very much. And and then during those three days, eight hundred uh, a flotilla of eight hundred boats came and rescued a third of a million people from the from there. And it all changed everything just because God's people began to pray. It changed the nation, and most likely, it changed the course of the uh, of World War II. I want to end with just something that I love. And we'll first want to say this. The Bible says, and this is to talk about prayer, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I came across a story that I wanted to share with you. It said, a man named Samuel Skull 
settled in the Arizona desert with his family. One night, a fierce desert storm struck, the, struck with, with hor horrific rain, hail, and high winds. At daybreak, feeling sick and, uh, and fearing what he might find, Samuel went to survey their, their loss. The hail had beaten the garden in, uh, in, into the ground. The house was partially un, uh, unroofed. The hen house was completely blown away and, and dead chickens were, uh, were scattered about. Destruction and devastation were everywhere. While standing dazed, eventually the, evaluating the mess and wondering the, the future, he heard a stirring in the lumber pile that was the remains of the, of the hen house. A rooster was climbing up and continued until he had mounted the highest board on, in the pile. The old rooster was, was dripping wet and most of its feathers were blown away. But as the sun came over the, the eastern horizon, he flapped his bony wings and he proudly crowed. And I love that. Here he was maybe, man, he may not have had any feathers whatsoever, but you know what? He knew in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the devastation, in the midst of what was going there, he knew to crow. You know why? Because it was in his nature. And it's in our nature too, to, to, to crow. It's in our nature to know that we are overcomers. The Bible says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all the day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We may have face uncertain times right now, but we serve a very, very certain God. God bless you guys. I love you. Thanks again for listening to the Crossroads Podcast. Check back with us weekly to hear more messages. We hope you have a blessed day.